0: You're listening to a Countout Podcast. Tables, ladders, and chairs, oh my, and a post-match rave highlight this show. This is Rave 2003 on Pure of Ring of Honor Retrospective podcast. Once again welcome to pure a ring of honor retrospective podcast here on the count out pod network once again this is sean tagger going through another event here in ring of honor history this year uh this episode will be a 2003 show um from june 20 28th excuse me june 28th 2003 this is wrestle Relief 2003 highlighted by a tlc match between uh, Trent Acid and Homicide. We do have an NWA World Heavyweight Title match between AJ Styles, the current champion, and Chris Sabin, and Samoa Joe defends against Danny Moff So we do uh, for the ROH Championship. So we do have three title match, uh, two title matches here rather, um, but a lot of exciting things to he- see in this show. This show once again is a 2003 show. This is really still early Ring of Honor days. A lot of things probably don't sit well or don't really mesh well with the current style and current day wrestling um some stories in this show as we go on to the show you'll just find out that this wouldn't do well um in a professional setting nowadays i don't think it would do well on an independent level as well i mean you have a team called special k and we'll talk about them as we go along in this show um, as they make their presence known throughout That is just a bunch of kid ravers really just trying to. They don't care about wrestling, they really just care about partying. One of them being Hydro, or better known now as Jay Lethal. Um, He does not wrestle on the main show, he does have a dark match uh, in the uh, showcase matches that we won't cover, but uh, down the road, we may go back and look at Jay Lethal's career and we may want to touch on some of these showcase matches. Probably not, but I'm just saying this because he had a very early start in Ring of Honor in 2003 um, as part of Special K before he really branched out into the protégé of Samoa Joe and so on. But this show here really is a building show. Um, As we all know, this is going to be highlighting some of the ongoing feuds that have been going on in Ring of Honor, uh, one of them being the Raven and CM Punk feud. We don't get really much more uh, into that, uh, minus a big tag match with uh, Second City Saints and um, Christopher Daniels teaming with Raven, um, and that was a really good tag match that we'll talk about. Um, there was a very good four-corner survival match and early scramble match in Ring of Honor's history that went on very well between um, B.J. Whitmer, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Tony Luke and Alex Shelley jay uh, most of them minus mom luke are early appearances here in ring of honor um and like i said we do have the ring of honor title match between samoa joe danny moff which you know for what it's worth it's a decent enough match joe's known for his classic long matches this isn't long at all and we'll explain a little bit why and we do have a woman's match on this card as well so let's get right into the card here um, as we jump right in it's a nine match main show card there's the three dark matches so let's just have some fun with it and see where we can go with this so we open up the show with some promos obviously Loki is you know feuding a little bit with uh, Julia Smokes and Homicide and his crew um, he really just wants answers as to why this is their friends you know but there's still some animosity between one another most likely because you know Homicide feels he should be bigger than he actually is. And I think he should have been. I mean, 2003, like I said, uh, Homicide had that compilation released, the um, 03 MVP. And, you know, match after match that he put on in 2003 were MVP worthy. And, I mean, this is no different. We then go and slide over to a uh, promo from Christopher Daniels um, talking about you Know him teaming tonight with Raven, he has two things in mind. He di- uh just dis- uh ended the group, which you know put a damper on Samoa Joe, and as we hear on commentary, embarrassed Samoa Joe because Danny Math got the pin, but also at the same time, now his eyes are set on just dis- uh you know ending the uh Second City Saints, and he needs Raven's help. Obviously, he knows Raven has some beef going on with uh, CM Punk so why not you know bring those two feuds together and see what we can get at this so the show starts right away with um, the ring crew express of Dun & Marcos better known as the ring crew guys here in Ring of Honor trying to get a shot on the main roster and they face Jimmy Cash and Prince Nana Nana's still wrestling at this time he hasn't really transitioned into a manager role quite yet excellent on the mic talking down the crowd here in the murphy rec center one thing to also talk about here is in 2003 they did change the lighting a little bit in the murphy rec center so a lot of this now is just focused more on the ring than the crowd and everything it's not as bright as it used to be it's a little bit more uh darkly dimmed and just more light around the ring um so that way the focus and the attention is on the ring uh the match itself rather than the animated crowd as we know, Ring of Honor crowds in the early going were very animated. So this is just another aesthetic uh, change that Ring of Honor did to make their mat- uh, their shows feel a little bit different than some of the other independent promotions that were out there. So the match really, I mean, this one is really dominated by Cash and Nana. I mean, there's really no reason why we should be seeing a team like the uh, Ring Crew Express really dominate as much here. But a, f- you know, a flash pin later uh Dunn and Marcos win and they get their first victory here in Ring of Honor, which surprises many people, uh, not only in the crowd, but also um the commentators very surprised with this victory. I mean you're taking a team and you're taking a veteran like uh Prince Nana and uh, Jimmy Cash and they are talking up, you know, both of them as their, you know, their very their legacy and also their, you know, prestige in the ring, but also Nana being a prince in Ghana, he has a little bit royalty under his sleeve. So there's a lot you know, going on there. They're piping up that team. And, you know, Don Marcos, Don Marcos are, you know, ring crew for Ring of Honor. They really don't do anything more than that. And this is just, you know, a throw a match just to get the crowd ready to go. But the big surprise victory here gets the crowd on Don Marcos's side. And, I mean, they were fan fan favorite here in early Ring of Honor. Um, team, you know, fans really did like Dunn and Marcos, and they really showcased themselves as a team that can really be beneficial um, and do a lot of fun stuff in the ring as well. So we go next to our women's match, and for whatever reason, the ring announcer Steven DeAngelis, has no issue of saying Alexis Luttery and Sumi Sakai, but for whatever reason, uh, both commentators struggle with uh, Larry and Sakai, first and last name for Sumi, um, last name just for Alexis Larry who's better known now as uh, Mickey James in Impact NWA and her time in um, WWE. But yeah, they're having a really hard time here getting their names right. The match itself was quick and short. I mean, you're really showcasing two different styles of talents, obviously, as we know, Sakai, uh, Sumi Sakai came over from uh, Japan for these shows. She was one of the first people in a Ring of Honor ring for the women's division that really wasn't anything until late uh 2018 when they finally decided to give the recognition to that division by giving them their own belt and everything like that. She was a pioneer of early women's matches in Ring of Honor. She had the first one back in a 2002 show, so that's how far back she goes in Ring of Honor's women's division. And at the same time too, get to see Alexis Ree here who Still is, you know, learning. And I mean, at the same time, too, this is getting her the attention from the upper management in WWE. Um, eventually, she would get signed and pushed over to OVW, their um, developmental grounds uh, to get, you know, a little bit more seasoning before she would jump in to uh, the main roster and jump into that feud with uh, Trish Stratus. But another, you know, good showcase match for both women here. Uh, Mickey has improved from the last time we saw her in the ring But I feel really this was just another way to showcase Mickey and help her chances to get, you know, signed away by a company like WWE. And she wins here easily with an inverted DDT, picks up the three count. Sui doesn't think it's a three count, you know, stuff like that. But it's another very good match here. And I think, you know, this is one of those things where, again, like I said, You're trying to put over a different talent. You're trying to put over a new talent. This is a great way to put over both of those talents in a way where both come off looking strong. Sumi thought that she still had the victory. Sumi thought that this was uh, her way. You know, this is her victory and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, with everything going on and how it turned out, um, it ended differently for her. But a very good showcase here to showcase some of the women that, you know, are grinding on the independent team in this early 2000. uh, time frame, you know, they don't get enough credit for everything that they did, but this is a good match here to give them at least a little bit of a shine. I mean, granted, this probably could have gone on for another couple minutes, um, and it didn't, but again, very good match here. We move on to a, what looked like originally was going to just be a tag team match between the Carnage crew of Divino and HC Luke against Special K against uh, Deranged and Izzy. And then all of a sudden, since, you know, Dixie was with them, you know, Carnage crew decided to make it a six man tag match here and add just incredible to uh, this team. <sighs> So with HD Luke and the Carnage Crew, they were added more as like you know the beat 'em up guys. These guys are going to be in here. Um, they have the they they have the talent as a brawler, but they don't really give you anything else here besides that. I mean, at the same time too, um, Special K is known as the party team here in Ring of Honor. They're more uh, worried about where the party is going to be, how quick they can get out of this match so that they can go start partying. Um, certain things like that, and the the commentators have no problem talking down that kind of behavior from uh, special K Chris Levy or Gabe Sapolsky at this time really loves talking down uh, this group as just uh, degenerates. They don't care about wrestling. They're not here to wrestle. They're here to party. They're here to get the fame, the fortune and everything like that. So they're not really focused on becoming better wrestlers and the like, whereas with, you know, H.C. Lok and uh, DeVito and also with Justin Credible, you know, Credible was a former ECW World Heavyweight Champion, uh, did have a failed, uh, return to WWF at the time as Justin Credible, uh, Carnage Crew, DeVito, and Loke were ring crew, uh, as we find out later in the post-show, um, little uh, clips and promos that they have. They did, a, you know, H.D. Loke did a little bit of everything he did. Ring crew, he did ring announcing, he did refereeing. He did a lot for ring uh, for ECW as he was really just trying to make a name for himself and get himself started here in the business. But, I mean, you know, with everything else, as we all know, uh, by the time, obviously, they were going to get their chance and going to get their shot, uh, ECW went out of business. So, you know, they have some chips on their shoulders that they want to prove themselves as one of the toughest teams out there, adding just incredible to this team. And they do uh, name drop a guy like Masada in that promo, too. He had some uh, early Ring of Honor matches in here that, you know, Masada was a totally different wrestler. As we all know, he is more of a deathmatch wrestler nowadays. Um, but prior to that, he was a very good technical wrestler who did some hardcore elements every now and then. So having that name drop in there, you know, I forgot about Masada's past in Ring of Honor until... Um, you know, we heard Loke and DeVito talk about them and uh, him in his their post-show, post-match promo. So, DeVito and Logan and uh, Credible get the victory here. Like I said, really not a lot to write home about. Once again, this is the story about how, you know, Carnage Crew just really wants to get out there, do their thing, leave, come collect pay, beat people up, leave type thing. And while um, with the... Special K group, they just want to party. They don't really care about the match. They just show up, try to get out of there as quick as possible, and start their raves with the girls that they find and talk about drugging and all that stuff. So this is one of those groups that, like I said, wouldn't really do well in a current-day uh, environment. There wouldn't be anything really here that would it'd be exciting to showcase. Um, it was embarrassing to see someone like a Jay Lethal in that group at the time because Jay outside of ring of honor at this point was making his name for himself in jersey all pro wrestling as their heavyweight champion delight heavyweight champion He was making his rounds on the indies as more of a serious wrestler And he didn't get to showcase that here in ring of honor for whatever the case may be So we go on to our ring of honor world title match This happens a little bit early on the show, which doesn't really surprise me just based on everything that is going on here um, and the main event being uh, Tren acid and uh, homicide. But this story right here is based off of uh, Danny Maff getting the pin on uh, Samoa Joe during the group versus um, the prophecies tag match loser group must disband. And as we all know, the loser group, uh, the group actually disbanded earlier um, in the show when they were doing their pre-show. Uh, promos we did see someone uh, from the group trying to get in uh, onto the show and Rob Feinstein tells him no your group lost and you are won't be booked anytime Rob Feinstein's on in these early shows I just I just get a little queasy just because you know of what we know about him now the type of person he is putting all those you know aside he is a, still a pretty shitty person if you don't look at him from those um pedophilia accusations that, you know, we all know are true. But um, he still is a piece of shit, um, regardless, outside of that as well. So those added allegations just make him scum of the earth. So it's really weird just seeing him here as a talking head every now and then on early Ring of Honor shows, just because, you know, what does he add, really, also. Um, So we get here, and this match, you know, we hear about... Oh, Joe got pinned by Danny Math. Danny Math got his jaw hurt by Samoa Joe. What's gonna happen here? And I mean, really, at the end of the day, here this is just a hoss fight. Two big men, you know, beating one another up, um, trying to really push each other to the limit. And honestly, Joe's the better wrestler, so it doesn't surprise me here that he gets the big uh, victory here. What does surprise me though is that. It didn't go a little bit longer. I feel like they were finally getting into like a rhythm of the match, and all of a sudden the match ended. So it was very weird to me to see that. Um, I feel as if you know a lot of Samoa Joe's matches and a lot of his matches in his title ring were at least the fifteen twenty minute mark. You know, they had the occasional short match here and there, but honestly, it surprised me to see him. Work such a quick, not so much a. It was a stiff match. I mean, both men really brought the strikes on one another. There's no surprise there. I'm not surprised to see that from a guy like Dan Moff and Samoa Joe really stiff one another. But I felt like it could have been a little bit more stiffer. Um, just my personal preference, you know. Just to have them beat the shit out of each other. There's really no reason why they shouldn't be doing that to one another. There both big men, and just let them, you know, slap each other around, use those palm strikes, use whatever it needs to make them go a little bit stronger, and back and forth with one another, it was a very okay match, like I said, I feel like by the time it was finally getting started for me, it ended, so there left a lot more to be desired, and I feel like this was really in the early stages of Joe's reign too, hence the bleach blonde hair that we see in this time frame from Joe, so like, we do get a little bit more of a cockier Joe as the ring continues, and with that cockier Joe, you also get a little bit more aggressive Samoa Joe, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, but like I said, this was pretty much early on stage of his career, and and Ring of Honor. Not only that, but also as champion. Um, so, really, not much exciting things to talk about here. Um, I feel as if there was a, like I said, a lot left to be desired. Big victory though for Joe; he retains his title. We go to intermission, and we do see some uh, interviews with Gary Michael Capetta um, talking with Homicide and Julius Smokes. Uh, smokes wants to talk to Luke Key, so we get that little wrinkle from the earlier in the show where you know we saw uh, Key talk about Smokes and Homicide and all that stuff. So you know, continue Uh, from that and then we do get also a little bit of promo work um in regards to the tag match that another promo from uh you know raven and uh christopher daniels we come back from that and we get a really fun uh four-way uh survival four-corner survival match between uh tony mamaluke alex shelley um jimmy jacobs and bj whitmer Very good, fast-paced action. I mean, at one point, I feel like the referee just gave up on managing the match uh, as it was going on. He really just was counting the pins, obviously, in the four-corner survival matches, only two competitors in the time, but that really didn't last long as all of a sudden we did see a lot of people jumping in here, getting their offense in. Shelley and Jacobs, one of the things that they were talking about with them on commentary was that this was really their first full year in wrestling. So seeing them where they were back in 2000, 2000, 2003 in this time frame to now, I mean, it's a night and day difference, but you could see a lot of the early indications that both were going to be very special. I mean, you know, um, Jacobs and Shelley had a lot of chemistry with one another working, you know, the Michigan Midwest uh, scene with one another. Uh, BJ Whitmer was also very familiar with the two of them working IWA Mid-South at the time with one another. So like, they're all familiar with one another. Tony Mamaluke uh, getting a shot here again in Ring of Honor. As we all know, he had a failed uh, tag team with little Guido. Guido went on to bigger and better things as Nunzio in WWE. So, you know, Mamaluke getting a shot here, it's very cool. It's nice seeing him in here, and he's more of your grounded guy, which is amazing because you look at Alex Shelley now, and he's very really much known for his. Um, His ground game and at this time he wasn't really polished in the submission game so you see him do a little bit more high impact high flying moves in this match. One of them being taking um, Jimmy Jacobs off the top rope and you know goosing him with the uh, top turnbuckle almost like a uh, throwing him up in the air and he just lands flat on his face here. Very good match. Uh, Whitmer is the stronger of the three competitors that are in the ring with him. So it's no surprise that Whitmer, you know, he has the strong clothesline that really just knocks all three competitors out in individual points in the match. Um, at the end of the day, though, it becomes too much for all three. And uh, BJ really takes control here and takes the victory. And like I said, a very good back and forth match. A lot of offense here, really showcasing all of guys in terms of what they can bring in this match. So it was a very good uh, a very good early scramble match here in Ring of Honor. They were known for their four corner survival matches as like the early scramble before we broke out into like the five and six men scrambles that we see. And now we see some of those scramble matches still take uh, place on independent wrestling shows coming off of an intermission as, you know, as a way to reheat the crowd up after a long period of time away. Let's get this uh scramble match going. So we go here then to the tag match between the Second City Saints, the team of CM Punk and Colt Cabana, and um, Christopher Daniels and Raven. So this match right off the bat, you know, we hear a lot of back and forth uh, of the history between the two, you know, commentary talking about what does CM Punk mean about his dad? He hasn't really explained what he means by his dad. So let's, let's bring out that. Let's see if we get some answers finally about that. Also, one of the things to talk about here is we do get a lot of early indication of their feud and, you know, where this is going to be leading to. Blood right off the bat between Punk and um, Daniels, which, you know, again, commentary pointed out that this is the first time that Daniels bled in a Ring of Honor ring. So it was kind of surprising to see that. And this match was the one that made him A bleed, but you know, Punk has been bleeding um, his buckets out and stuff like that, so it's no surprise to see him bloodied up a little bit here. But what we what is surprising is that you know, Cabana is the guy in this match that really takes the driving force, tries to bring the match back, and be the guy that has his head on straight. As you know, Punk is really focused on Raven at the time. Um, just based on you know past matches between the two of them. This feud has been going on from the beginning of 2003, really. Um, and as we I've talked about in the CM Punk episode, I feel this is the company that really got the best out of these two in, in terms of a feud because uh, TNA did a f- feud with them after they started teaming with one another. MLW did almost a similar feud as Ring of Honor did. But this one really was a lot hotter. Um, this is where everyone really just got it going a little bit more a lot of uh back and forth here early on in the going i really feel you know this was a good driver for what could come in future matches and stuff like that uh we saw you know punk bring out the chain and choke um raven with it at the end of the match there but at the end of the day there was this was a no dq uh tag team match um this was really good back and forth punk um Really distracted and really focused on Raven trying to get into his head a little bit. Raven getting in uh, his head early on in the match by just laying down, uh, coaxing uh, Punk to get in the ring. We did see uh, Cabana try to do a frog splash, but um, he got up Raven and you know clotheslined both uh, clotheslined out uh, Punk while Daniels clotheslined out Cabana. At the end of the day, though, it is the team of the Second City Saints of Punk and Cabana picking up the victory uh, with Cabana pinning um, Christopher Daniels there. And like I said, just a really good back and forth match, really good pace between these guys. I really feel like this match really showcased Cabana um, in a way where, you know, some of the earlier matches really focused on when they were teaming uh, Punk. And this was a nice way to show that Cabana can be more than just the comedy guy, the guy who brings the laugh in in certain spots like that. It was a fun match, really got uh, energy going once again, which is a big thing. You know, it's always good to get energy in the matches and stuff like that. But I feel, you know, the story was post-match. Like I said, Cabana, I'm sorry, uh, Punk brings out a dog collar and uh, chain and chokes uh, Raven with it they go and leave to go to the backstage and we get uh Raven challenging Punk to a dog collar match then we go directly to the backstage area as they're walking down to the locker room Punk really expresses that his dad was a drunk so you know he sees a lot of similarities and he wants to purify everyone of that filth he doesn't want people to have to see or have to deal with people that do that so this is just really you know a way for punk to get in there and really focus on what he does and what he wants to bring to the table. And this is the purify ring of honor of anyone who does drugs or alcohol. He wants to make sure that straight edge is a lifestyle that anyone anyone can embrace. Um, And he doesn't want to see people that look like his father act like his father in the company. Um, This was a very powerful promo. It really got us to understand really the dynamic of why this was going on. So really good showcase here, and then really good two post-match promos. Punk accepts the challenge, and we will have a dog collar match between Raven and CM Punk in the near future. We go to the NWA Heavyweight Championship match between Chris Sabin and the champion AJ Styles, who comes out to the Ric Flair uh, Odyssey theme, Space Odyssey theme. Um, Really, this was a good match, just really quick um, and to the point. I mean not a lot going on here there's really not much to talk about i i feel as if this was just a showcase of bringing the nwa title into a ring of honor show giving fans of philadelphia the way to see the uh nwa title again because it's been so long since the last time they saw it just giving them a little treat uh aj really focuses on and grounds uh saban from doing any type of his high flying uh, maneuvers and moves but i feel as if there was a lot more that could have been done in this match i feel like this match wasn't given a whole hell of a lot of time and whatever the case may be that makes sense you know they have a lot to start and move on as well um but i feel like as if this match was just there for the title rather than the competitors in the ring and aj and Sabin are very good two talented guys we would see Sabin, you know come back throughout his career in ring of honor get uh, ring of honor title shots and we would see AJ stick around and come back, you know, on and off throughout his career as well. So it was a good showcase and a really nice way to showcase the NWA title. Um, AJ post-match showcases the title, show, holds that up, shows it off, and really puts it over big and puts over the city of Philadelphia big. Before we finally get to see the main event, um, this is a tables and ladder match. This match really didn't use a lot of tables um really didn't i mean this really focused on you know chairs and ladders you know they broke a few ladders they you know climbed a few ladders there was a table that ended up you being part of the finish in this match and then you know another table that was brought in during the post match but this really was more of a showcase on really where these two became um very good in the ring with one another i feel um, Asset is really known for his uh, Backseat Boys team with Johnny Cashmere and Ring of Honor. So he hasn't really f- had a lot of time to showcase himself as a singles competitor, which is a shame because uh, Trent Asset was a very good singles wrestler as well. It's really weird that Ring of Honor didn't give him the opportunity to showcase his time as a singles competitor because I feel as if we could have gotten a little bit more from him. The tag team with Johnny Cashmere was good, don't get me wrong, but I feel as if there was a lot more left on the table by having acid almost just strictly a tag wrestler where he could have been something a little bit more. Um, But this match really, you know, showcases the kind of year that homicide is having. You know, this is a very good match showcasing the strengths of both men. You know, it was, like I said, we see, you know, cashmere and acid as the backseat boys. And it was a very weird comment on commentary, mentioning how this is probably the only time you're going to see acid as a singles competitor here in ring of honor just a lot of you know missed opportunities here for a uh Trent asset it's it's uh, upsetting and you know we could have saw a lot more and it could have been a lot more fun for him in Ring of Honor but at the end of the day here it was really the Trent Acid show this was a great way like I said to showcase him as a singles competitor uh Asit did get the big win here and honestly it made a lot of sense because of the postmaster angle we did see uh Homicide's crew come out and low-key checking on Homicide, making sure everything was okay with him. But the lights go out, and all of a sudden the music of Special K hits. We get them in the ring, dancing and doing their rave stuff, but also taking out both Kashmir and uh, Trent Acid. I don't know what was going on here. This wasn't really necessary. They could have just come out here, done a beatdown, like ambush attack. You know, They were outnumbering um, him anyway. So this was just a very weird match. Nothing really here that stood out to me as necessary or exciting. I felt as if everything was taken away just because of the behavior around uh, Special K, not the behavior of the attack. But, you know, we had people um, just, you know, dancing, raving, doing all that stuff. We had two women making out, um, just really taking away from the moment. And maybe that's the whole point of Special K. They really don't care about the actual, you know, wrestling aspect or the beatdown that they, you know, did to a guy like uh, Trent Acid and Johnny Cashmere, the Backseat Boys. Maybe they just really wanted to get their ring back so they could do a uh, big in-ring rave in the middle of the ring, which didn't really send the fans home happy. And when you look at it from a big picture, I do like to talk about, does this show stick uh, to today's standards and what we would be expecting in wrestling? I uh, I would say no i think this post-match angle is proof that this wouldn't be something that would fly now i think people would be more pissed off or annoyed that something like this is happening in a wrestling show and when ring of honor talks about being the best in professional wrestling you don't expect to see something like this take over the show and really you know take away from a moment or take away from a whole story but this did it's a real shame, too, because, like I said, this was a very good match between two very well-brought-together teams, well, highly contested teams, um, and uh, guys in the ring, excuse me, with Homicide and Tranacid. They have a lot of history with one another, and, you know, could this been done differently, the post-match beatdown? Yeah. It could have been done without? Sure. But I get what they were trying to do here. It just, like I said... All the extracurriculars all the additional stuff with a uh, special k really just took away from that magic and in my opinion really just slowed down the energy of the match and the actual you know pull point of what that match was about at the same time you know this wouldn't hurt um, homicide he would go on you know and have his great 2003 continuing to have a great year I would say this hurt Trenasset in a way because I don't think in Ring of Honor, at least, he never got to that level that he should have been. Um, And I think this could have been a crowning achievement, a big moment for him if they let it go the way that it should have went. So it was really a shame here that they didn't give him that opportunity to shine and uh, focus on everything around him and really focus on the next steps for his career in Ring of Honor. So that was WrestleWave 2003. Like I said, I wouldn't recommend this show. There's okay matches. The match I would recommend out of this is either the tag match between the Second City Saints and uh, Christopher Daniels and Raven or the four-corner survival match between B.J. Whitmer, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Alex Shelley, and Tony Mamaluke. Both of them are very good representations of what we would see in today's independent wrestling. Um, very good showcase matches there. I really feel, you know, the early years of Ring of Honor are, you know, a very tough watch. They don't bring out a lot of good. Um, it brings out a lot of bad and it's really not anything positive. So when I talk about these shows, if I'm a little down more so than normal, I just don't like the quality of, you know, everything else going around with it. I'll try to keep that in mind, you know, really focus on the wrestling itself. But if there's something I don't like in the show, I will point it out. Um, we go into 2006 in, uh, in two weeks, and we talk about the first Super Card of Honor as we're getting and gearing ourselves ready towards WrestleMania season. So we'll be talking about the very first Super Card of Honor in 2006 that really showcased Ring of Honor alongside some of the other promotions during WrestleMania weekend. You can listen to this podcast and many more where you're part of the Countouts Podcast Network. You can listen to it as part of the Countouts Podcast Network feed, or you can listen to it on the Pure feed itself. You can follow me on Twitter at taggart 531 Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, like, do all that stuff. We are seeing submissions on Spotify and iTunes for those five-star reviews. Keep them coming in because, and keep giving me feedback. You can message me on Twitter. You can put that feedback right into the review itself. I take a look at them and try to see how I can improve. Once again, this has been Sean Taggart. You've listened to Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast here on the Countout Podcast Network.